Today on Ag News Daily. We saw a need around the industry uh, for automating certain tasks in production agriculture, and not only production agriculture, but also agricultural research. July 20th, 2023, Tanner and Delaney here to hit some headlines for you this morning. You ready to roll, Delaney? I'm ready to roll. We got lots of news to cover today, Tanner. There is quite a bit of news today. It seems like uh, maybe a lot of these riders came back from vacation uh, and and dumped some really good information out there for us. We'll start with weather. Flood watches are in effect for Colorado and western Kansas. Uh, they will be in effect through the end of today. Excessive runoff from rainfall is what's going to cause this. We also see some storms that are headed through the Midwest, winds of up to 70 miles per hour. We still have our excessive heat warnings from Oklahoma to western Arkansas today, looking at 114 degrees. Central and eastern Illinois could see scattered storms, and as they push over east, they could get more severe. Indianapolis, Detroit, pushing towards Pittsburgh and Buffalo, isolated tornadoes, localized flash flooding, winds gusting 60 to 70 miles per hour. And unfortunately, as it continues to move east, it will get into that area of saturation in the New England portion, where they're already dealing with record levels of flooding and home evacuations. Well, Tanner, folks in Ukraine may want to be looking at evacuation again as things are ramping up once again. We've now seen the second strike near the Odessa ports and on the Odessa ports that happened late overnight here. And this is, of course, the second of two attacks that's happened just since the grain deal has lapsed on Monday. But we also got word that Russia said any ships moving in and out of Ukraine's Black Sea ports from Thursday onward, would be seen as as aggressive. And they're assuming that all military ships are carrying military cargo uh, with potentially infrastructure or equipment needed to fight back. So Russia is seeing that as an aggressive move, Tanner. And on, let's see, Wednesday... Got to get all my dates straight here. President Putin accused Western countries of perverting the expired Black Sea grain deal for their own ends, but said Russia would immediately return to the agreement if all of their conditions were met, including, of course, removing sanctions. Um, Trade is really the big the big one on the table here. But they said the West has completely emasculated and perverted the the essence. And instead of helping countries in real need, the West used the grain deal for political blackmail. And in addition to it, made it a tool for enriching transnational corporations, speculators in the global market. Yeah, I saw those headlines as well. The U.S. committed, though, to providing Ukraine with more air defense systems and attack drones. They're looking at a $1.3 billion additional aid package on Wednesday. There are also F-35s, I believe, that have landed within range of being able to take off and be put into service. So quite an interesting change of events here in the last 24 hours. Kloss expanded their tractor lineup 
they've introduced the latest tractor lines with extended horsepower regions. There's Zerian 12.650 and 12.590, the Arion 660, 650, and 630, as well as a brand new row crop friendly Axian 960 TT and 930 TT. Do any of the TTs are their half track machines? These machines are developed with input from North American farmers as the Kloss is looking to grow their audience. They've got innovative features and bold designs to hopefully become the go-to choice for farmers looking to take their productivity to the next level. They've taken into account a lot of valuable input from the customers that are running their current machines and said right now it's designed to offer more capacity and comfort in these product ranges. They will now have Tractors available up to 653 horsepower. So those two new are at 653 and 585 for the horsepower range. Also have high flow hydraulics up to 140 gallons per minute. The TerraTrack units will have the opportunity for them to be two tracks if you prefer up front tires or four tracks to help prevent compaction. The capacity inside the cab has also been increased for 20% more legroom. And that's just a few of the features, Delaney, that has been rolled out in this new line of Kloss tractors. Well, Tanner, an explosion at a Dow chemical plant in Louisiana. I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce the name of this one right. Plaquemine, I'm going to say, is how you pronounce it. Louisiana happened late Friday night. And a fire also broke out at the chemical plant. But according to experts at Rabo Agrofinance, it's not expected to disrupt chemical supplies in the U.S. Dan, we're actually seeing the adverse effect here. And the industry is seemingly swimming with a supply of key inputs, such as glyphosate, which has forced a lot of suppliers and ag retailers to actually cut prices in an effort to get rid of unused supply. They said because of this, the chemical fire that broke out at the Dow plant isn't really going to do much damage as we already have an access of products in the marketplace. Uh, this There hasn't been a ton of information released about the possible cause yet, but reports indicate at least six explosions occurred Friday night at the plant that covers about 883 acres. It caused a large mushroom cloud of smoke, uh, but otherwise it doesn't sound like anyone was hurt. And this plant is one of Louisiana's largest petrochemical complexes. And the disruption is sparking flashbacks to when it happened in 2021 when Hurricane Ida hit on Bayer's largest glyphosate plant and pushed manufacturing offline for nearly two months. So we don't have any estimates yet as to how long this plant is going to be offline. But just thankful nobody got hurt. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm glad that everybody was safe. The Biden administration is launching their new Agricultural Competition Partnership Program to crack down on price gouging and other anti-competitive practices. In the food and ag markets, they're looking to appoint a new farmer seed liaison to deal with patent issues. This is obviously part of Biden's uh, move to take on competition in the ag economy. This is announced two years ago. He's taxing Secretary Tom Bilsack with the highest level in the partnership. He will have Tom present at the White House Competition Council meeting this week, marking the two-year anniversary since the original agriculture competition partnership was put into place. They're looking at placing necessary resources available to help identify 
and addressed anti-competitive and anti-consumer behavior in the partnership with other federal authorities. So it'll be interesting to see how that moves forward. We also see that ag economists are taking bets, it seems like, on the timing of the 2023 Farm Bill. Most say it's unlikely that the 23 Farm Bill will be passed in 2023. The original deadline is October 1st, and nearly 90% of respondents say it is very unlikely or unlikely for it to be done by October 1st. However, the secondary deadline for the easy extension is January 1, 2024, and more of the very unlikely shift their votes into unlikely and likely. So it's more of a 50-50 split if this farm bill will be completed by the 1st of January. Tanner, what's your bet going to be? Uh, I'm thinking it's going to be January. I do, uh, after our conversation with uh, Re- Representative Nunn, it sounds like they've got a good start and a good committee put together. Uh, October 1st will be here way before I'm ready for it. So I assume it'd be the same way for legislature. So I would bet January. Yeah, I'd like to have uh, have some faith in that, but I don't know. There's a lot of competing factors here. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> but uh, one thing it sounds like Congress has finally moved on here at, is a preliminary trade agreement with Taiwan. The Senate has approved this agreement, clearing its path to head to President Biden's desk for final approval. This legislation is really the first trade deal we've seen, Tanner, under the Biden administration and was the result of a lot of negotiations between the Biden administration and Taipei. Now, the one caveat to keep in mind here is how China is going to react to this piece of legislation, because as we know, they are not really pro-Taiwan being seen as its own nation. And so this bill will outline transparency and cooperation terms for future negotiations and could potentially pave the way for stronger tax ties between the U.S. and Taiwan. Uh, This bill has tried to get through before previously being blocked in the Senate. It's finally managed to secure passage and bipartisan support, Tanner. So folks on both sides of the aisles have signed off on this one. And it'll be exciting to see that finally signed into office. Yeah, that uh, would certainly be. It was also exciting in the ethanol world. Ethanol output jumped to its highest level since December. And inventory surged to a two-month high as well last week. Production of the biofuel rose to 1.07 million barrels per day last week, and ethanol inventories jumped to 23.166 million barrels, up from 22.658 million barrels the previous week. We also got an article here that a Kentucky farmer found nearly 700 gold coins from pre-Civil War era in his field. The unidentified man found his treasure of gold coins in his Kentucky cornfield. The coins were minted before the Civil War and are worth more than a million dollars as part of this collection. Urban legends for a long time had circulated about farmers and area wealthy burying their treasures before the Civil War. And obviously, if something happened to those individuals, the treasure was left to be found generations later. These 700 gold coins had genuine $1, $10, and $20 minted coins that are dated back before the Civil War. And this lucky farmer, according to the New York Times, was one to find one of those buried treasures. So, of course, now treasure hunters have descended upon the region to see if there are any leads for additional buried treasure. 
Yeah, I find that interesting, Tanner. They didn't really trust the banks back then, so instead they buried it in your yards. That's right. And uh, it's just interesting the amount of deep tillage that has been involved in agriculture that we haven't found more of these treasures just for making passes across the field. That is very true. Well, Tanner, I tell you what, the markets, do you think people are going to find some buried treasures there today? It doesn't look like they're opening up full (laughs) of treasure, but we will see. No, but they're at least opening up, um, pushing a little bit higher. You know, we've got had some bigger moves earlier this week, and we're still continuing to see small gains in the overnight as we head into opening session. September corn up a penny and three quarters. We'll open here this morning at 547 and a quarter. Dease new crop corn up two and a half cents to open at 555 and a half. In the soybean pits, the August contract up two and a quarter cent at 1493 and three quarters. New crop beans up three cents at 1411 and three quarters. In the September hard red winter wheat contract, they're seeing some pretty big moves still as we're continuing to hear reports of Ukraine invasion up 12 and a quarter cent in the overnight at 879. When we look at the livestock markets, a quick reminder at where they closed and will open here today. August live cattle added a nickel yesterday to op- to close at a buck 81.32. August feeder cattle shed a dollar 20 at 246.80. And August lean hogs will open here this morning at a dollar, excuse me, a dollar 65 higher yesterday at 97.92 and a half. Tanner, we are chatting today, well, you're chatting, I should say, about a new autonomous institute being put together at the Mississippi State University. Yeah, this was a fun conversation. I was maybe a little lost in the beginning for my interview (laughs) questions just due to how new and exciting this was, but a great conversation nonetheless. Let's get into it. Oh, this is going to be a fun interview, listeners. I'm excited to be a part of this one. Got two guests today. We have Alex Thomason and Madison Dixon. Alex is the director and Madison is the associate director of the Agricultural Autonomy Institute at Mississippi State University. Well, gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Thank you for having us, Tanner. Why don't we start off here since there's two of you. Uh, Let's get a little bit of a background first on you, Alex, and then we'll jump into an introduction for Madison. So why don't you start off letting our listeners know who you are? Sure. Uh, Alex Thomason, I'm actually, in addition to being director of the Agricultural Autonomy Institute, I'm also professor and department head of agricultural and biological engineering here at Mississippi State. I'm in my second go at Mississippi State, uh, split in the middle with about 15 years at Texas A&M University. So a long history of working in agricultural technology and particularly in the autonomy space. Great. Yes, and so Madison Dixon here, uh, the Associate Director at the new Agricultural Autonomy Institute, my background. So grew up on a a small family farm in the Mississippi Delta region. Uh, Educational background has been in geographic information systems um, and then always grew up with a a, affinity for model aircraft and uh, never expected that to uh, turn into a career. But uh, as we've seen, UAS or drones become more and more common and more useful for a variety of applications. Um, The agriculture space is one of those places where they can be especially useful, uh, particularly if combined with other types of autonomous systems uh, on the ground. So ultimately uh, have have been here at MSU for about seven years now and just recently had the opportunity to come and work for Dr. Thomason and excited to be here. 
So this is exciting. It said this is a brand new, uh, what do you call it? A division? You call it, uh, what's the best way to phrase what this newly created uh, has become? Well, uh, you might think uh, the university is usually broken up into academics and research and extension and things like that. And this institute is uh, would commonly be a research institute, but that's not our only mission. Our mission sort of spans economic development to include some research, but also to include some teaching and developing corporate relationships and that kind of thing. But our, our structure is that we report to two vice presidents within the university. So it's a university level institute. It doesn't fit under any one college or any one dean. Um, so it, it reports at a fairly high level to the university. That's exciting. Is this the first one across the country like this, or how does that look? To our knowledge, uh, there are no there. There are lots of other uh, centers, if you will, or institutes that are focused on ag tech or digital agriculture, uh, and some of those have a piece that involves autonomy or robotics. But to my knowledge, this is the only one that is uh, strictly focused on the autonomy aspect. So as you guys are launching this and looking at the exciting future, what was the biggest driving point behind the creation of this institute? Uh, I guess I'll take that question. Um, we saw a need around the industry uh, for automating certain tasks in production agriculture, and not only production agriculture, but also agricultural research. Uh, just a little bit of background, um, if you haven't been made aware of this, there's a lot of need for labor, particularly in specialty crops, but in all kinds of agricultural production. And that labor is fast uh, going away or becoming more expensive or more difficult to find. I mean, there are various stories of people having to bring in tractor drivers from, you know, different continents, for example, uh, to come in and because there aren't other people to do that kind of work. So the industry, you know, the John Deere's and the Case New Holland's of the world, are moving very quickly towards autonomous systems that require less and less labor. That's the principal driving factor, but there are others as well. And uh, Madison, I don't know if you want to follow up on any of that. No, I, I, I would echo all of Dr. Thomason's comments just then. So there's uh, most definitely a need um, both to help um, not only supplement uh, where there might be labor shortages, but also to help try to drive efficiency in the agricultural landscape, right? So in implementing autonomous systems and autonomy across the board can help make agricultural systems more efficient where that's beneficial. And there's also environmental and conservation benefits to that as well. So uh, echo all of Dr. Thomason's comments and, and just I uh, really saw a need that the Institute could fill and saw an opportunity for us to be leaders. We really believe that Mississippi State University and the the greater state of Mississippi and the Southeast can become a hub for agricultural autonomy. And we'd love to see Mississippi become kind of the, the Silicon Valley of that hub and, and see a lot of exciting work be done here. We know we have the expertise um, and the faculty and staff to help support that here. And we've got wonderful students that are very capable as well. And, and there's no reason why Mississippi State and the new Ag Autonomy Institute should step out and be a leader in this field. So Madison, as this has begun to take shape, what's been the excitement or interest level on campus? 
We've gotten a ton of interest so far. So a lot of support from uh, not only our, our faculty and staff that we'll be collaborating with, but also with our upper level administrators. So as Dr. Thomason mentioned, we will report up to two vice presidents here at Mississippi State University. Uh, that includes the Vice President for Research and Economic Development, who is over the Office of Research and Economic Development, as well as the Vice President uh, for the Division of Ag, Forestry, and Veterinary Medicine here at MSU. Uh, both of those uh, VPs have very large, very important roles, and we have been very uh, blessed to have their gracious support, as well as uh, various other administrators. Also, again, great support from faculty, staff, as well as students that we look forward to collaborating with. Uh, we hope to create opportunities for those faculty and students to do not only research, as Dr. Thomason mentioned, but also uh, opportunities for them to potentially create exciting new intellectual property and see that intellectual property uh, commercialized, patented, and brought out to the marketplace for uh, future, future endeavors and uh, continued opportunities. So Alex, as you look towards the immediate actions, the first order of business, are we looking and focusing more on the autonomy of drones, the, the flying uh, pieces of equipment, or are we looking at the autonomy of tractors and that type of equipment? I would say, Tanner, all of the above. Um, you know, we're a sort of a fledgling institute, right? We're just getting started. Uh, we basically have been able to bring in support for about uh, three years. And so one of our principal goals starting out is to build relationships and uh, and basically to to develop projects around could be tractors, it could be harvesters, it could be drones or it could be teams of, of various types of vehicles that are communicating with e with each other and uh, performing tasks in sort of a collaborative way without human involvement. So it's really all of the above, um, but the early stages are to develop what those projects look like, what are our key areas. Uh, one of the things I would say is that the earliest need for this type of technology is in specialty crops. I think I mentioned that earlier, but so as opposed to uh, a field of wheat where you've got a reasonably simple task of driving a tractor or a harvester down long rows of a field, uh, you're talking about, you know, melons or blueberries or tree fruits or nuts and that kind of thing that have historically required a lot more manual labor, and they typically have a much higher per acre return on investment. So where the crops and other uh, agricultural products have a high return on investment, let's say on a per acre per acre basis, that is the ideal place to start because these technologies commonly when they're originally developed tend to be somewhat expensive and you know as most things do over time the prices go down but the early stages need to be more focused on specialty crops than on other areas that being said uh, the john deeres and cases and kubotas of the world are very interested in automated processes for field crops as well for example uh, if you're harvesting wheat or corn, you commonly have a combine that's harvesting and it's dumping its grain into a wagon that's pulled by a tractor that's running alongside the, the harvester. Uh, that tractor requires a driver at this point. A lot of work is going into autonomous technologies that would enable that tractor to drive itself and follow along autonomously by that harvester. So those are the kinds of technologies that, that we're looking into. And it's a very wide field with, I would say, decades of promise. 
So Madison, what are you most excited to be working on? You know, right out of the gate, I would say that I'm most excited to to help create this brand new institute at Mississippi State University. So I had previously worked for, like I said, about I've been with MSU for about seven years um, and had previously spent all of those years at another laboratory here, here at MSU. So I had the opportunity to help facilitate some success, um, research success and economic development success at, a, at another laboratory. But that lab was very, very established and had been around here at MSU for a very long time. I'm most excited to be here at the ground level of a brand new institute. I agree with Dr. Thomason's comments. I think there are decades worth of research and opportunity to be done here, as well as advancement of the technology. So being at the ground level, being here at the start of something very new, very exciting, and something that's at the core of what Mississippi State University is about. We are a land grant institution that's very much focused on agriculture and engineering, uh, widely, widely respected in those fields. And so the opportunity to create a new institute uh, that not only combines the, the agricultural strengths that we have here, but also the autonomous system strengths that we have here uh, in multi-domains, aerial autonomous systems, ground-based autonomous systems, even maritime autonomous systems, uh, the combination of the expertise and the capabilities and the facilities that we have here at this university to be able to conduct this research in an interdisciplinary manner, it's just, it's extremely exciting and the, the sky's the limit, I think. Yeah, I like the way that you phrase that. So Alex, will this institute pave the way for maybe new degree styles in agriculture or degree opportunities for young students? That's an excellent question. Um, yes, I think in the long term it will. In the very short term, uh, we have a couple of uh, emphases in that direction. I mentioned that the goals of the institute are around a sort of corporate partnership and bringing business into the state. Uh, also research and in intellectual property development for entrepreneurship and spinoff companies. But that third aspect is workforce development. And part of workforce development involves uh, basically college level education and training and so forth. So we will in the in the longer term be working with community colleges at a sort of a vocational educational level uh, to teach students to come out and work in this industry. And that involves, you know, mechatronics and computer coding, uh, being able to manufacture, to maintain, to repair, to distribute uh, this type of technology. Uh, but also at our level at Mississippi State University, uh, we're looking at uh, degrees or degree programs around agricultural autonomy. Uh, I'll give you two examples that we're already bringing to bear. One of those is in our biosystems engineering degree program, we now have an emphasis in autonomous agricultural systems. Uh, we, you know, we've just started as the Institute has just started, so we don't have students in that space at the moment, but uh, we'll see a year from now, I expect we'll have a handful who will be you know, the very first students uh, to be focused on ag autonomy at Mississippi State. And from a programmatic standpoint, they may be some of the first in the country. Uh, the other thing I would mention is there is a fairly large investment at Mississippi State University in data science. We have a data science program. And as of a couple of months ago, we have one of the emphasis areas in that data science program is agricultural autonomy. So we'll have the ability to bring students in for a master's degree in data science with a specific focus on agricultural autonomy. Yeah, that had spawned another thought because all of these degree opportunities also need educators. So uh, I appreciate your answer because there's probably a way also 
to train the next level of teachers in a program like this. That's right. And, uh, you know, certainly at the college teaching level, uh, you're typically going to be talking about PhDs. And we already do have a number of graduate students working on master's and PhDs in agricultural autonomy related projects. You know, this is everything from robotic cotton harvesting to robotic blackberry harvesting to uh, flying drones over crops to measure very specific uh, characteristics about those crops that are of interest to uh, breeders, for example, I mentioned earlier that we're not only interested in the, uh, the benefits of agricultural autonomy for production agriculture, but we're also interested in the benefits for research. A quick example of that is, if you imagine you have a corn breeder who's used to planting, let's say hundreds of genotypes of corn, and they look at these genotypes, these various plots, and see how they respond to different stresses, temperature and drought stress and insects and disease and that kind of thing. Historically, they've sent graduate students and technicians in the field with yardsticks and notepads taking notes on these things. But now a lot of that work is done with drones flying over the crops. And not only can the drones cover more ground faster, enabling those researchers to look at many more genotypes than they had in the past, they can also measure some things that are not able to be measured by people just with just visually. So they'll carry all kinds of uh, sensors such as LIDAR equipment, such as hyperspectral equipment that'll give new insights into what's going on in the development of these plants and enable the research to be done more quickly and, uh, and much more precisely. This is exciting and, and probably over my head to an extent, but it's it's fun to see and kind of a congratulations is an order for you guys and the new institute to be able to blaze the trail. Madison, as we wrap up the conversation here, if somebody wants to learn more about what you guys have going on or they want to contribute, what's the best way for them to check in with you? Sure. So best way to reach out at this time uh, would, would be either by phone or by email. Uh, so I'll give my phone number and email uh, so folks can, can contact me. Dr. Thompson, you're, you're welcome to do the same if you'd like, but uh, my, my number is 662-545-9303. Uh, email is MPD, that's in Mike Papa Delta, so MPD162 at msstate.edu. Uh, right now, again, that, that that's best just temporarily as we're getting things uh, established, but we will have a website ready in short order, and that website will be aai.msstate.edu, and the website itself will have a form where you can give uh, your information, reach out to us. It'll just have a very simple portal uh, that you can provide your information in and the nature of your, your interest or question, etc., um, and we'll be able to communicate through those channels as well. Also keep an eye out for us on social media again as we get established. So we will have social media on uh, Twitter, LinkedIn. I mean, the usual places uh, that will also have, um, I would say, links on our website as well. So ask for your patience. We'll, we'll get have all that ready for you in short order, but um, that's the best way to reach out to us for now. That's great. Well, gentlemen, we appreciate your time. Appreciate the exciting news. And if our listeners can help you out, I'm sure they will reach out. Thank you, Tanner. Appreciate you covering our story. Thank you. Well, there you go, Delaney. That is exciting. Kind of wish it was here at Iowa State University, but still cool that another land-grant university gets an opportunity. 
Absolutely. I found that one a really good one, Tanner. So I thought you asked good questions. You asked questions I would ask and probably some I thought, oh, I wouldn't have thought to ask that, but I appreciated your insight. Well, there you go. Listeners, we appreciate you turning us on to conversations like this. So don't be afraid to reach out on social media, find Ag News Daily and interact. We love hearing from you. But for today, what do you say? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go. Thank <laughs> you.